Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Newtown Theatre. Please welcome a man who has finally achieved his lifetime ambition and is now going to stop. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Good to be back. Had a day off. But now we're back. Uh, welcome to Richard Herring's Latvian Stick Theatre podcast. Um, which is a great callback to anyone who remembers my 1987 show, The Seven Raymonds. You'll be fucking loving that reference. Uh, for everyone else, it was actually the Latvian Stick and Bag Theatre. Uh, it was a sketch where uh, we uh, had big sticks with bags on the end and did uh, experimental theatre whilst just saying celebrities' names as the language we did. It was hilarious! Stuart Lee's finest work. Uh, anyway, um, but I was uh, talking to the cast of Taskmaster... Series 9 the other day. I always just turn up just in case I'm going to be in it this time. I'm not in it. They call it Realist of us. I don't know if that's going to catch up. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah my, uh, my big news is uh, a couple of people have mentioned this and I thought they were messing around, but uh, if, again, if you've been following for a long time, I'm a big fan of the Tempting Tatty um, uh, baked potato shop. There's some fans of the baked potato in. There's a big crossover in the Venn diagram of Richard Herring fans and baked potatoes and IT. Uh, and um, I always go in and have a medium sized jack potato with the orange cheddar cheese and mango chutney. Been doing that since 1987. Uh, and, you know, I every time I am asked where I like to eat in Edinburgh, I send Tempting Tatty in every interview. Uh, and I was hoping they would name that particular potato after me, you know, and have a picture of me on the wall saying, have the rich tag. And they've finally done it after... It's only taken 32 years. 32 years. Well, I can give up. That's better than any award that I can get uh, from Edinburgh. Uh, Liam uh, tweeted me a piece of information about... We've been having a running joke about... Uh, the Metro mentioned to ladies they weren't meant to put uh, ice lollies in their vaginas. I don't know if you saw that news <laughs> the other day. And then uh, there was some news about women uh, steaming their vaginas with uh, herbs and hot water, which, again, not meant to do that. It's not good for you, ladies. Don't do that. Uh, Liam, you found an article about not putting chocolate up your... But don't put chocolate up your vagina, either, ladies. Just leave your vaginas alone, is what I say. Don't, don't put anything up your vagina. I mean, I think the problem with the vagina is the thing you're meant to put up there or you can put up there, it's so disgusting and filthy that you sort of think, well, I might as well have a crack. Uh, uh, there's no news on whether you can put chocolate bars up your anus, though, which is all I am interested in, if you've followed the show before. And I didn't have a very good day off, uh, partly because we've got an alarm system in our house, uh, which the, 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 uh, te- the, the landlord's very keen that we always put on and off uh, every time we go in. And there's a setting for... Because it's quite easy to do. There's a setting for when you're in the house at night time, press a button, and when... Uh, you go out the house and press a button. Uh, my wife came back from her last performance of Drunk Women Solving Crime, which may involve some alcohol. <laughs> and they'd been out celebrating, uh, and she accidentally pressed the wrong button so that when I went to the toilet, uh, I set all the alarms off at one o'clock in the morning. And it was absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> and the worst thing, she was upstairs going, I pressed the right button, I pressed the right button. I said, well, you clearly didn't press the right button. She's going, I haven't even drunk that much. Which is... Um, I always know when she's drunk a lot because that's what she says. Uh, she's a wonderful woman. Do listen to her podcast. It's something crime. It's fun while you listen to the podcast, isn't it? When you have to deal with it when they come home. <laughs> Setting off alarm. She's a wonderful woman. Uh, I'm very lucky to have her. Um, 
she listens to the podcast. She's amazing. Oh, shit, take that bit out. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're, we're booking the last few guests for this podcast. Uh, there's a few. Uh, Alice Fraser's just gone into the yeah to the list for the next week. Uh, Richard Osman on tomorrow, so please, there's uh, that's limited tickets left for that one tomorrow. So please do come along if you can. And I've just booked someone for Brighton on the 15th of September, uh, but only the secret badgers know who it is at the moment. So if you become a badger, you can find out. But I'll announce it obviously because you know. Otherwise, it'd be crazy if no one would know who the guests were. Uh, but do look out, do check out the uh, richhound.com and you can see where I'm on tour if you would like to come and see this. I'm talking to people at home, but you're also welcome to come and see another one. <laughs> if you like, right, my guest today, my first guest. Oh, God, I'm so tired. Probably, it's no, but I thought I'll have a day off every week in Edinburgh, but I didn't think, did I? I've got kids, that's not a day off. This is, a, this is my day off, this is my bit. I get four hours in the middle of the day where I don't have to look after the fucking kids. <laughs> Should have done three podcasts a day, I'd be the happiest man in the world. My guest today, your first guest, is probably best known as Beth in Climaxed. That is, uh, I, you know, I, I just wanted to talk about that as long as I can. Will you please welcome the amazing Lauren Patterson, ladies and gentlemen. you're doing I'm very good you're very both my guests today in fact are very fresh faced because they've only just come you've arrived today very smug there is no better feeling than parachuting in halfway during the festival and like why are you all so stressed <laughs> <laughs> and you're here for one performance only one today. night only tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. yeah it's wow. the way to do edinburgh just come in laugh at everybody else looking miserable do your show Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And there's still tickets left for tomorrow, must There's be. 15 tickets left. Ooh. Ooh. It's because so. everybody saw me as Beth in Climax. And was like, wow. <laughs> was, what, was, what was Climax? You were in two episodes of Climax. It was a five-minute BBC Three online episode. Okay. Yeah. It sounds quite saucy. <laughs> I think I might have it seen was, it. Uh, they were quite cool. It yeah. was like all these different episodes about couples and the sort of premise of the episode was like those moments after sex so it might be like couples in a tent after a festival or couples on a one night stand couples who are married and their like relationships gone to shit and as always as a 25 year old woman with a baby face I was cast as the 18 year old virgin (laughs) (laughs) which is just the story of my life I see all my friends going up for these really cool adult parts and I turn up and they're like nerd virgin I'm like damn it (laughs) it's like being at school again (laughs) well you do complain about that in your your set a little bit that people have expectations of you from yeah. the way, way you which, which, but that's quite good, isn't it? That, that, that doesn't marry up with your actual. Definitely, material. I think if I was that sweet and twee, everybody would hate us. <laughs> like I don't think you can get away with being adorable. No, nobody genuinely likes an adorable person. They're always like, oh, if they come on the news and find out they've got dead cats in the house, it'll be her, won't it? Yeah. The kind of adult woman who has Barbie dolls still, and you're like, she's gonna kill you one night. <laughs> so you are, you are quite, you're quite rude. You're quite, well, you're open, I think is the, open. Is the yeah, place. I think if you're a woman and you yeah. talk about sex or swear, you get called filthy or rude. Well, actually, it's just being an adult, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. Very open, very honest. Uh, I don't like to have limits. No. Yeah. Well, that's what comedy should be exactly. about. Exactly. Well. Yeah. And you are, you're very young, which is yeah. quite... You are. So you're 
the early 20s still, more or less. I think I'm in the mid now, mid 25. 20. That's okay, mid 20s. Still got a real card though, so <laughs> clinging on. <laughs> it's quite, but it's quite unusual, really, to be successful uh, as early as this now, isn't it? It's quite, it's a, it's a long slog for a lot of comedians. Yeah. A lot of people who are coming on, I think, oh, you're quite new, and they go, I'm 45 years old, <laughs> and they've, you know, they've been working for years and years, and you, ha- you have been working for quite a long time. You start when you're 18. I started when I was 18. My first gig was the audition for So You Think You're Funny, mm. and I got through with a semi-final because I'm a prick. Uh, <laughs> everybody was like, oh, that girl's only done one gig. And then I died on my arse in the semi-final and they were like, she'll learn. She'll learn. <laughs> Did you have to change your material in the second gig? Or I think you were allowed to do roughly the same stuff. Right. But I just, the, the competition is so you think you're funny. And to be honest, the answer was not yet. No. <laughs> You've done one gig, Lauren. You are absolutely not funny yet. But there's that kind of bravado you need. I mean, and you, you have when you're 18 as well. There's a lot. You know, yeah. I came with Edinburgh when I was uh, 18 or 19 when I did this, the stick and bag theatre uh, and you know you there's that the confidence is just uh, I look back and think how was I that confident that I exactly. thought people would pay to see me do I think when you're 18 you've had no knockbacks really nobody's yeah. ever told you no and you've probably never really failed at anything so I was like I've got nothing to lose <laughs> but if I hadn't started then no way would I do comedy now I'd be like no I've got a hell of a lot to lose like <laughs> a house and my mental health I think I'll just I think I'll just stick working in boots if that's all right <laughs> Good point. Um, so, uh, well, we were working together on some. We'll talk about stand up again in a minute. But uh, we were working on a thing for BBC Sounds. Has that gone out yet? The thing we did. Where I, I was, don't know what happened with that. Yeah, I had to yeah. advise you. Um, we, it was a show about you learning to be an adult. Really, yeah, uh, they said they wanted to do a podcast and they want to do it about learning life skills and like a really approachable young adult who's openly clueless but wants to learn. I was like, great. And then they were like, we're going to call it adulting. And I was like, shoot me in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> So it never came out? I don't know. I genuinely don't know what happened with it. But okay. we, had, we had like a money expert on, didn't we? I yeah. learned about ISAs. I learned about mortgages. Yeah, I learned a lot as well. I had a great I, I wish I'd been, <laughs> I wish I'd been 25 <laughs> when I was on it. But, oh, I see. It was I a beautiful the same moment one. where I was like, this is all really valuable information. And Rich was like, this would have been. That's what really helped me out. I don't know, but it is so much harder. Uh, all those things. I saw you tweeting about mm-hmm. having got an email about uh, affordable flats in London having come through oh. for four hundred and fifty thousand yeah. pounds. Yeah, that's the. It was last night, and I don't think I'll reach a bigger joke of the festival. <laughs> like an email popped up, and it was like, it must know that I'm looking at houses. It was like, oh, are you after an affordable first time home in London? I was like. I am. Here's a two-bed flat. It's 450 grand. I was like, that's not affordable. In what way is that affordable? So then I did that classic northern thing of going on right move and looking what 450 grand would get you in Newcastle. It, <laughs> it would get you Newcastle. I'm like, this is, this is amazing. And I bet it can't. It, it must have been quite on the outskirts of London for that money as well. Yeah, I think it wasn't even in a particularly nice bit. I was like, oh, if it was in like bloody you know West London, and if it was in Harrods, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I can understand the price tag. But I'm like, I know where that is. It's not worth half a million quid. Yeah, a shelf in Harrods you might get. Yeah. You might get like the room that they put a toy on. Yeah. You can just take the toy off at night time and sleep on that <laughs> That's shelf. That's where in I Harrods live now. 450,000. Um, there was a garage in Harrods, in near Harrods, wasn't there, that sold for some ridiculous, like a million, million pounds for just the t- garage shop just up the road. Oh, God. It's very, my, my first flat was in Balham. Uh-huh. I paid uh, 95,000 pounds for it. God. Just showing up. It was. Uh, <laughs> I'm not feeling smug anymore. If anyone wanted to check it, <laughs> that's old money as well. That's ninety-five thousand pounds in old money, in t- in twentieth-century money. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Is it? Is it? Uh, how, 
I, I can't believe that young people haven't risen up and sort of rebelled against the system. And I, you know, I'm, I'm on your side, even though I should really be fighting. For I the think a lot people. of young people want to rebel, and they're like, "What do we want? Cheaper rent? What are we going to do about it? Live at home." That's, <laughs> that's actually what we'll do for a while. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of easier in some ways, but yeah. yeah I couldn't. No. no. I think I would do it. I'd be chucked out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you moved from... You, wait, how, how long ago did you move to London? I moved you, to London three years ago. Okay. Yeah. And it was quite difficult for you. You'd just broken up in a relationship. So hard. So we said we would do long distance, and I was like, because that works, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, we barely see each other when we're in the same city, but when we've got a whole motorway between us, and it was just impossible because I was working all day as a waitress to be able to afford to live in London and then gigging in the evening he was a bartender so he was always working in the evening I got a January I'd been there like six months and I was like we've never seen each other it was that horrible moment where I was like right it's my career or the boy I love with all my heart and I was like see ya (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna gonna go for the career thank you and I felt like the most selfish person in the world because I was like I'm giving up someone who I love for something I love, but um, the career pays me more than he did, to be quite... <laughs> he never got us a throne to sit in in Edinburgh, exactly. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it is, again, when you're young, it, those things seem so important and, you know, but it, yeah, it is, I mean, it's ultimately that you have to make those kind of life yeah. decisions. And you, you can't, and I think when you're young as well, like six months is a long time to not have sex when you're 52 and married <laughs> that's just your norm- normality I don't really see my that's wife that's just winter my wife, my wife lives in the same house and I don't I haven't seen her for six months but uh, it's yeah but you know when you're young that feels like yeah. such a long time oh definitely yeah. and especially I feel like young he's probably like the, the boyfriend who was my first proper boyfriend who I'd really loved and I was like but I love him and then I was like mm, I also love comedy yeah um, maybe it was a selfish decision but I hope he meets a girl who can give him a lot more time than I could not met anyone yet that's three years that's a long time I don't time know oh. I try not to look yeah I try not to look never look back no because what if he's gotten really fit <laughs> I mean he already was quite fit but if yeah. he's gotten really fit I'd be mm. like damn it <laughs> uh, comedy's good but it ain't got a six pack has it no. <laughs> so was your show the, the sort of breakthrough show that you uh, were you did yeah. you win, you win you were I best got new, nominated for nominated the newcomer new yeah. yeah and it, yeah. it wasn't it was an accident of a show I, I wanted to write a show about not being ladylike and not feeling like a modern woman and that's why I called, I called it Lady Muck when I had to submit the brochure in February and then I broke up with him maybe like two weeks later and I was like I want to write about a breakup <laughs> um, but quite frankly I was too sad to write about it so I was turning up with what I thought was hilarious breakup an- anecdotes and everyone was like are you okay? <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, like, loads of comedians make jokes about their breakups, and they were like, but that's not funny, what you're saying. Like, it's just very, very sad. So then I was like, right, I'll write a show about um, why my relationships fail, because I feel like a lot of my, all of my relationships have obviously failed. And I was like, is it because of comedy, or is it because it's me? So I'll track them all down, add three. And I was like, that'll be fun. Oh, there's, the, there's the nice one, there's the, like, a different one who I didn't work with for very long, and then there's this one who ghosted us and disappeared from me life and just literally dropped us and as I started to write the show everybody was like that's the one nobody wants to hear you cry about the boy who you broke up with to move to London we want to hear about you getting ghosted that's sad but it's fucking funny (laughs) that's trauma and comedy and I was like no so I would do all these previews being like so I love this boy and then I broke up with this boy but let me tell you about a boy who I got ghosted by and everybody was like that's too confusing just just write this show about that boy and I was like ah 
that's, I felt so sneaky on stage. I was like, this is two boys. I feel like Adele. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so did you, ever, did you ever catch up with the guy who goes ghost? Uh, well, I did. I tracked him down. Yeah. So we met up a couple of times, and the whole idea was that he would tell me what he didn't like about me and what I'd done wrong in the relationships yeah. that I wouldn't make those mistakes again. We, we kept missing each other, like he wouldn't turn up yeah. or he would turn up and I'd be like, I need to leave. And I was like, he's ruined me show. And then I eventually sat down with him, I think maybe a month before I came to Edinburgh. Uh, and I was like, I'm really pleased you came to meet us. And he went, I've not got a bad word to say about you. <laughs> and he, I thought, you arsehole. <laughs> I have spent months trying to try. I want you to say bad things about me. I'm a comedian. That's what we do. I need you to rip me apart so I can validate myself on stage. He had nothing bad to say about us. And I was furious and everybody was like, he's giving you the best ending of your show you could possibly imagine. So I stood on stage at the end and I read every nice thing that he'd said about us. And I was like, isn't it weird how I wanted to write a show about what I'd done wrong and I didn't consider that I was actually pretty fucking fine the way I was. Like, (laughs) oh, what a surprise. I'm a goddess. I mean, if he's ghosting you then, I mean, he's the the dick, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I got got a trip to Australia out the back of it, so... (laughs) I'd happily be ghosted again in the future if I got six months in Sydney. It was well good. I wasn't crying then. <laughs> and do you find it quite hard? You, you've done stuff, I think, about being uh, the loneliness of like moving yeah. home. Yeah. You know, that, I think that's. It's, I think when you're in your twenties, when you're young, like, the idea of admitting that you're lonely or that you're not yeah. surrounded by friends going out is the most difficult thing, right? It's so that's because I felt be like so many of my like actor friends would be like, "Yeah, I've moved to London and it's the best. Like something to do every night. I've made so many friends." And I was like, "Am I a freak? Why does no one want to be my friend?" <laughs> and I felt like I was failing, but it's because I was working in a restaurant every day and doing comedy every night. I had no time to make friends. And I know people like. People, I think the, the only thing that is more common than an Edinburgh show with a sad bit is a comedian on Facebook whinging about Edinburgh shows with sad bits. <laughs> and my show did have a sad bit, but also I was so sad. I was so lonely and so heartbroken, and I just accidentally wrote this really personal but very funny thing. And I was like, I didn't mean to cry in my show. I promise, I didn't. I'm just quite fragile at the minute. It's a surprise I'm even up here, to be honest. But I'm really pleased I did. Like, I yeah. think there's nothing wrong with sharing it. And I think so many young people came to see that show and were like, God, I've been dumped in the shit, and I've done a long-term relationship, a long-distance relationship, and it didn't work. Or I've just moved away to chase me dreams, and I feel like it's not working. I was like, cry and write a show about it. <laughs> you can't all do it though, Lauren. Although, I mean, if, if everyone does a show, yeah, that would be pr- problematic. Yeah. There's enough comedians already. It would shorten the waiting list for therapy, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> it That's my only game plan. I'm like, make them all write shows, and then I can get up that NHS waiting list quicker. That's what I want. <laughs> All right, I'll ask you some emergency questions. Um, obviously, you must never put chocolate in your vagina, Lauren. You know that. Never. But no. if you had to put a chocolate bar in your vagina, mm-hmm. which chocolate bar would you put in your vagina? Oh, not a flake, because that would just crumble, yeah. wouldn't it? That would that would cause more of a clean up. <laughs> Maybe like um, oh, what are they called? Like a, a toffee crisp. Okay. So I feel like it's quite sturdy, so it wouldn't melt. Yeah. Yeah, mm, I'm quite a cold human <laughs> in every in every. I heard how I booted a boy for a career. Yeah. I am I am ice on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, I've got that one out of the way. Uh, yeah, would it be the same one up your bum as well? Because that's the real question. Oh, that would have to be no. It would be a Milky Way crispy roll because that's okay. quite a little one. Okay, that's isn't good. It? Yeah, <laughs> little. 
I had answers far too quickly for those, didn't yeah. I? That, is, <laughs> that was good. That's that worrying. Yeah. Well, let's see how we go. I'll, I'll, I've been asking everyone this question nearly on the, and, and trying to work out if I know the answer ahead of time. I'm not sure this time. Have you ever seen a ghost? Or I think I have. Okay. I think I have. <laughs> no. Yeah, I would have swayed towards that. I do. I remember, like, no, I, I see things quite a bit, but just, like, because I'm really short-sighted. So, <laughs> like, but um, I remember being little and looking, like, really young and looking at my bedroom door and seeing someone coming up the stairs in, like, a cape and a witch's mask. And I remember for years being convinced it was a ghost, but now I'm an adult, I'm like, it's probably my sister for Halloween or something. <laughs> like, but I remember for years being like, no, I saw a ghost. I don't think ghosts mask. wear masks, though, do they? I Depends mean, how they died. I suppose. Ah. <laughs> they died when they were trick-or-treating. They are committed to that mask. <laughs> In Scooby-Doo, the ghosts always have muscle, because they're not ghosts. Yeah. That's the thing. So maybe there's someone trying to scare <laughs> you away from the landing for some reason. That's true. Because there was plutonium mine there. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, you didn't fall for it. It could be. It could be the case. I'm very um, easily spooked, though. You could easily convince it. Like, someone, you could tell the story now that this place is haunted, and I'd be like, see ya, <laughs> bye. This place is definitely haunted. <laughs> if anyways, well, I've seen people, I've seen, like, people backstage... Uh-huh. And I asked one of them if they were ghosts, and they said they were. Uh, they were dressed. They were dressed in medieval clothes, and there was another old man in my dressing room. For a just he sat there, didn't say anything for ages, and then when I went to the loo, he'd gone when I came back. <laughs> I think that he might have been, been one of the dad, masons. I've been saying quite rude things about the masons. This is a masonic hall. Yeah. I've been implying they're murderers and sex criminals. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and when I say implying, saying that. And then there was a little old man sitting up there in a tartan suit. <laughs> looking at me weirdly so maybe that yeah. was my warning to stop doing stay that stay away yeah I'm still alive though I was snagging off Prince Andrew the other day and uh, went out uncensored <laughs> and still here but they bide their time don't they they're clever he's got to wait he's got to wait can't do another one straight away can he just uh, <laughs> just to wait a little Oh, that was another question. If you, um, this, this is my favourite question, the Edinburgh Fringe Emergence question. Mm-hmm. If you uh, could take any one item from any art gallery or museum in the world and have it for yourself and take it home and keep it, which painting or item from a museum would you like to have? I would want to take just the whole gift shop. Right. <laughs> how good would that be? Well, so you could run it from your home? Run it just, from yeah. my house? That's how I'm going to get a mortgage. Because <laughs> then every time someone comes to visit, I'd be like, do you want a pencil? <laughs> do you want and, a... and a very overpriced pencil as yeah. well. I think but that there's, it's sort of, it's, there's a lot of these sort of scams in the world. I and mean, We're mm-hmm. one of the scams, which is being a comedian and made people pay to come and see us. That's quite <laughs> a good scam. Uh, but there's lots of places that kind of that have that markup. Then, if you're on holiday, you're allowed to mark up yeah. the price of everything. If you run a gift shop in a museum, you're allowed to sort of mark up the price, mm-hmm. and you sort of you feel uh, the customer feels they should buy something. I suppose. Yeah, because they're like, well, I've not appreciated any of the art. <laughs> <laughs> but if I buy a postcard of the most visually appealing piece of art I didn't understand, yeah. then I'm still smart. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose if you've got the gift shop, you've got all the posters as well, so if yeah. you fancy any of the posts, put the pictures, you can put them up. Because <laughs> you don't really need the original one. No. But it'd be nice to have the original one, though, wouldn't it? Just a bit of security, Van Gogh up there. So bad with art. I remember going to the, is it the Picasso Museum? It could be. In that is one of them. Where is he? 
which bit of the world? Barcelona? Yeah, that, that, that sounds the right about one? right, yeah. Yeah, and I walked in and I was like, I'm going to have a day in an art gallery. I'm so cultured. I did the whole thing in about three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I felt really bad. I was like, I don't think I've looked at the art enough. So then I did another lap, but then people were just looking at it. It's like, she's already done a lap. And I was like, now do I look like I like the art too much? And I think I, I, think I did just go to the gift shop. I yeah. was like, no, art isn't for me. Yeah. That's good. I, well, I agree with you, really. I think it's, uh, you, are, you do feel like you're beholden to go in and get some but occasionally you'll find one and go I like you know I kind of like something about that yeah I like ones of the sea okay. ones of like the beach I'm like yeah. that's nice okay. that's pretty anyone of the Tyne Bridge because I'm from the northeast, so it's like that classic thing where as soon as I see anything with the Tyne Bridge on I just like rip off my shirt and stop bleeding black and white even if I <laughs> even if I haven't been home in like five years I'm like oh, I'm so northern <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, one of your earliest gigs was supporting Catherine Ryan, who uh, yeah. no one has a bad word to say about. She is I an angel. She oh. is glorious. Yeah. Uh, I did a... No, one day. One day one you'll day, catch so I'll find someone who doesn't like <laughs> <laughs> Really nice. I was still at uni, and I'd done the Funny Women competition. I got the finals, and she hosted it. And then, like, sort of eight months later... I was coming to the end of university and I'm sat in a lecture one day and I got a tweet off her and she was like, how much material have you got? And I was like, questionable. <laughs> Depends what day you catch us on. So I just was like, why? And she said, oh, and Ben I had not spoke to her in this like interim period. She was like, I need someone to come do to her support for me. It's 25 minutes, do you want to do it? I'd never done more than 15 minutes. And I was like, I've got 25 minutes. <laughs> I've got all of the minutes. So what I did was I just did my 15-minute set, but slower. <laughs> because I was like, I don't have 25 minutes. Shit. And I think I wrote a couple of new jokes, and I was like, that's about seven. To, where am I going to get eight more minutes from? Turns out I speak fast. So I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes of mine is 25 minutes for everyone else. And I just totally winged it and it worked amazingly because I got motor support off the back of it I got an agent off the back of it I got like that kind of was what started my career for us and yeah. I'm like God, I wish well a lot of comedians do take chances on people but it just proves if you're in that position where you've got a platform you can make a massive difference to yeah. somebody's I was a 21 year old student and then suddenly I had like a London agent and I was like this is fancy this is nice I remember going to the office and it was all like it was like the glass table and like art on the walls and I was like I do not belong here but I'm just going to go in with confidence and see what happens and I, I didn't know how to conduct myself in a professional meeting and they were chatting about like wanting to help me and if I wanted to like wanted to be helped and I was like what do they mean by help like <laughs> do they just mean they're going to give us some tips so I played it very cool because my dad was like play it cool play it cool so I did and then on the train back I was like oh yeah really nice to meet you I'd love for you to give me any more help and they were like cool we'll get a contract in the post here and I was like have I got an agent <laughs> what the hell just happened it was the weirdest afternoon yeah. of my life I thought they were like oh we'll, we'll sort of give you a bit mentorship and if you need any advice or any gigs in London got a bloody agent yeah thought I was Billy Big Bollocks coming back to uni <laughs> I was like alright dickheads which you have got an agent <laughs> me yeah <laughs> but it's great well I mean you know, Catherine is I think she's a big supporter of uh, oh yeah I mean, especially female comedians but I think of, of everyone she's 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 always sort of got a lot of time Definitely. for people. Definitely. She really wants to help you. I once, when I first moved to London, I'd gone on a night out, and then coming back, I'd come out a different tube exit of where I'd just moved, and it threw us completely. I was like, tipsy, I'm in a new city, so instantly I was like, I'm lost. Oh, my God, this is where I die. 
I ask three people, because I'm from the north and that's what we do. You ask for help, but oh, no one wanted to help. No. People just ignored us. People were walking past and it was quite late and quite dark and I thought, I don't know where I am and I don't know how to get home. Couldn't remember my address to put into Google Maps and I was like, what the hell do I do? So I think I tweeted about it and she told me to screenshot my Google Maps so she knew where I was on a pin and she sent me an Uber to come and get us. And I was approximately three minutes from my house. I was, I literally got in the car and obviously I'm a bit tipsy. Catherine had told the driver that I was her little sister because he was like, I can't find her, I'm going to leave. And she was like, no, it's my little sister, you have to make sure she gets home. And he was like, why have you let your sister drink so much? (laughs) And why is she crying and talking funny? (laughs) And I remember getting in this Uber and I'm obviously so upset. Like, I'd never been somewhere so big and overwhelming as London. I'd been really thrown by the fact nobody would help us because I'd never experienced that before so I'm in the taxi all upset and he went I know you don't know your address but can you point which direction to go I was like it's definitely up oh there's my house (laughs) so yeah thank you I was so close ridiculously close (laughs) oh well that's that's, that's very uh, it's a good story so she's a a good person yeah Um, it's it's unusual for comedians that's why I'd like to get it out there (laughs) there must be some ulterior motive I I think she's going to come out and there'll be some really evil thing in her there's definitely a lot of comedians yeah. who would have just let me die in the street. They yeah. would have been like, oh, I've seen she's got the comedy store booked in, I'll have that. Yeah. yeah. One step, one step let up her that. die. <laughs> <laughs> so your show, are you doing, is it the last, is it the last year's show you're doing? Last year's show, yes. Yeah. So it's the, the final hurrah of it. I am flogging a dead peach. Yeah, it's called Peachy, and it's about being happy. Because I did a sad show the first year, and I got annoyed that people were only implying that I'd done well because I cried in it. And I was like, well, I'm going to write a happy show in spite of you all. And that did bloody well as well. So, so yeah. next year, just, um, I'm all right. Yeah, next year I'll be like, I'm indifferent. Nothing good happening, nothing yeah. bad happening. It's all right. I'm running out of emotions. I've only got two emotions, happy, sad, and hungry. And I've done, I don't know, maybe next year's just an hour of maybe in, like, listing the best restaurants in Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah. Captain Tatney. Um, so... <laughs> Where's it on? Where's it on? What time? It's on at the Monkey Barrel. Uh, Monkey Barrel one, uh, and there's 15 pre-sale tickets available. But they do keep tickets on the door for you to walk in and pay what you want. So if it does sell out, there will still be. If you queue, you'll still be able to get in and get away with seeing it for free because you can just be like, "Yeah, I paid." As you sneak out and steal money from my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're doing so well. I don't think anyone should pay, right? (laughs) Oh no, she hasn't got a house. I've got a house. Uh, So, (laughs) but thanks so much for coming down. It's lovely to see you again, ladies and gentlemen. The amazing Laura Bassam. Lovely. Before we crack on, just a uh, reminder that you all got a free programme at the beginning. That's a gift from me to you. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, at the end of each show, we're making a collection for Scope, which is a fantastic charity uh, that I'm patron of, which uh, helps people with cerebral palsy and uh, trying to get equal rights and access for disabled people. So if you'd like to give some money for that programme, there will be buckets at the end of the show. I hope someone holding one here, but if not, I will be sitting at a little desk on the way out, and we should have a bucket there. Uh, and I'm also uh, selling copies of uh, Emergency Questions, a thousand and one conversation start, save us for every occasion. That's the, the, the new one. I've got the old, a few copies of the old one, Emergency Questions. There's only 500 questions in that one. Cost the same as the one with a thousand and one in it. They're different questions, mainly. Uh, <laughs> and that one can fit in your handbag, though. So that's, that's it. That's the, and then if you buy both, you get some stickers, and we can buy the stickers. It's nice. Uh, very happy to sign your programme, say hello, whatever. Not to you, mate, you look weird. Okay. No, fo- no photos with you. 
I don't want people bring, thinking that my fans are nerds, right? That's, that's why I don't want people thinking all my fans are bearded guys uh, with glasses. Because they, they're not, are they, Liam? You haven't even got a beard. No. So there we go. That's my, those are the two, two very different types of fans I have. Uh, and do come along and see uh, any of the uh, Rahalistopers if you are around. Thank you for coming. And you can, uh, you can become a badger at gofasterstrike.com slash badges if you're interested. Right, let's crack on. My guest, uh, the second guest today, is probably best known as one of the writers on All Star Driving School. That is the, that's the level we've got to. As we get further into the fringe, it'll just be harder to get people who've really done anything. <laughs> He's done other stuff as well. Will you please welcome the amazing Jeff Norcott, ladies and gentlemen. Sit down. Have a microphone. Right. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> this could be a tricky one. <laughs> you missed one there, mate. I mean, if we're at the Liberal Arts Festival here, you could have gone for yeah. that I was on the ill-fated TV channel, Nuts TV. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, we could talk about that. Uh, that that's actually it was too, the sports show, but... Um, that's too were... good for the opening. That's, that's my main oh, right, conversation. Yeah. It's going to be about Nuts TV. How yeah. was Nuts TV? Uh, yeah, it was me and Comedy Dave. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was. He just had a kid, and he was doing the morning show. So it's supposed to be like heavily based on the banter. But after about three weeks, we realised we needed to script all that banter. Yeah, so we were essentially doing banter off an auto cue. That works fucking well. Uh, <laughs> fucking nervous about this one, mate. You should be nervous. Yeah, is that, is that is that? I'm subconsciously gone. Remainerville. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the first pelter. We're going to be, it's lovely, it's a very friendly podcast. You're a nice guy. I'm, I'm, very, I'm nice very friendly guy. with you. I'm, I'm not. Uh, no, no you are. I think you are a nice guy. I mean, it's, you, you've got this reputation as being, well, and a self-proclaimed yeah. only conservative voter standard. Not these days. Or only right? out. Yeah, not these days. One of few. I've had to change yeah. it yeah. on uh, Wikipedia. One of 14. Uh, <laughs> incredibly unique now. So um, is this, is this stand-up comedians who admit they vote Tory? Why do you say admit? Because I think a lot of stand-up... There's a lot of... Oh, very, I see, very I see. ...right-wing stand-up comedians who, are, who yeah. aren't out being right, you know. So you said out as well. That's well, they, who would, who would, if you asked them, would say they didn't vote Tory. Yeah, yeah. But no, I know what you mean. And also, do. certainly the way, the way that their lives are organised economically. Yes. So you're fairly economically right-wing. And the circuit itself is, is sort of like Thatcher's sort of ideal thing, isn't it? You have this notional, abstract thing, and then... You just try and charge exponentially more for it yeah. without really any good reason. <laughs> so, so that's a, this weird sort of stock market that just goes up and then can crash for no fucking reason. So yeah. I think we're all kind of more economically right. You know, people that sell merch and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I, a lot of left wing comics yeah. sell merch. Yeah. I sell, I sell merch and I don't employ anyone else to do it because I don't want to give anyone any money apart from myself. <laughs> and also, if I employed yeah. someone to do it, I'd have to be paying out my, you know, I yeah. take about four, I sell about three books at the end yeah. of each gig, and I'd just have to give that money to the person selling the books. And you, I have to the buy way the that books. you do things, I, I absolutely love. Yeah. I, I, think, I know a lot of comics say this to you, but I like the independence <laughs> of it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but is, that's really something to aim for. But that's what stand up is, though, isn't it? There's the yeah. autonomy of stand up that you can do what you want, and, yeah. you know, and regardless, I think it's, you know, it is great that there are other voices in stand up. When I started yeah. doing stand up, there were. Or at least people from a lot of more different backgrounds than there yeah. are now. I, you know, I'm sort of with you on quite a lot of your 
Fuck Brexit views. Because, yeah. Uh, are you still hard Brexit? I, well, I, but you say, I fucking loved hard Brexit, I, I, Richard. I, uh, that was my favourite. But I agree with... I mean, I agree. You're on Brexit, you say yeah. um, you kind of want no deal Brexit to go through just to see what happens. Yeah. I'm, I want to know like, how that story ends. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not saying it's coming from a great place morally or politically, but we've had a big group of people saying it's definitely going to be an absolute clusterfuck, and other people saying it'll be fine. I would like to know... But <laughs> I agree ends. with you uh, yeah. to the extent that I think the only way for us to progress is yeah. to say this is what th- this thing that you say you want is. We have to test an idea, yeah. don't we, at and some then, point. I mean, I think it's unfortunate that it probably will impact badly on the people who, who want it to, be, to go well. But it, might, I suppose it might, but I guess the, the, the swathe of working class support, and I know it wasn't working class people didn't expl- exclusively no. support Brexit, but there is, you look at the way that Tory party policies attending now whoever's in government will have to satisfy that demograph regardless yeah. you know so so i think that they made themselves known and they will they will get service regardless of what happens yeah yeah but i think if it happened the other way around if it had been 52 48 yeah. the other way around if you'd ignored the 48 yeah in that case i think you'd have got into a lot of trouble but yeah. and i think that i think you know, what i think about is nobody actually uh, voted for no deal brexit no one voted. No one voted Some to people become. Did, I think. Well, well, but nobody. It wasn't. I didn't. I'll be honest. I, yeah. I didn't. I thought that there would be. A but deal it wasn't on. The, it wasn't on the agenda. The only people saying there'd be a disaster from Brexit were the Remain side. So if you, I, I, I say we yeah. voted for Brexit. We have to have Brexit. But if you're going to have no deal Brexit, I think that's the same as remaining. I think it's, but it's, so, I it's so far away from what people vote for that you'd have to have another referendum. But then, what, you know, if you have another referendum, what if it's 52, 48 the other way? It's like, does remain go through on away goals? What's the... <laughs> where, 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 I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like... I, t- I understand the logic. This is the point I'm at now. Is I think we spent a lot of time being incredibly tribal about it. And yeah. we've all become weirdly politically ideological. Like We've got this kind of straight line through our politics and everyone else is talking shit. But, we, yeah. but we've got this sentient synthesis of the world around us. But I, I can understand all the arguments now, but I just think when there's a democratic mandate, some kind of meaningful Brexit has to happen. And I get that people don't understand that. I mean, sovereignty, is a, it sounds quite antiquated, doesn't it? It sounds like some geezer standing by a river with a piece of... That's the Magna Carta, isn't it? This is, <laughs> now they'll look at me going, yeah, typical leave voter. He knows fuck all about anything. <laughs> fuck you. But if we end up yeah. just being, you know, a vassal to yeah. America rather than a part of it, Europe, yeah. we're not going to vote on that. No one's going to vote. Do you want to join America? Um, and, and I we, would. Well, you know, I like we, we, should have, we should have a vote on it. But also, we're, we're joining an America that has admitted they're going to put America first and leaving yeah. a Europe that is trying to. I do think. Everyone. I do think the chlorinated chicken thing has become the Remain version of bendy bananas. <laughs> I don't think it's quite as much of an issue as people are, are making out. And I mean, you talk about disaster. I think one of the problems for sort of a liberal remainers as such is this constant dystopian prophesizing. It's almost like they've made it, it's impossible, it can't be as bad as that, you know what I mean? They're all gonna be like milking our cat for nutrition. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen. I'm gonna throw it out there. And then when that doesn't happen, the hardline Brexiteers will be able to go, see, nobody milked their cat. <laughs> Brexit worked. <laughs> you said we'd be fighting over the last paracetamol. Everyone's got paracetamol. Yeah. I mean, I just think we shouldn't. It, sh- it shouldn't have been put to us in the first place. I don't think any any of us were qualified. The people who are in, yeah. in, in making the decisions don't understand 
what any of the issues That's are. That's true. Right, so I think, I don't, I, agree, I don't think another referendum is the answer, because I think, what, what's the point in but asking? I think we're flawed at every single election. I mean, if, if, if anything, a general election involves a lot more issues that we know fuck all about. So yeah. the idea that we couldn't just do a bit of homework for a single issue... But you'll vote, at least you're then voting for someone who you think you go... You know, that's what I think. We vote yeah. to general election and go, you go and sort it out. You go and sort it out amongst yourselves, Parliament, what should we do, yeah. and work it out, and that's your job. It's not my job to know... You know, I think five, six years ago, no one would have ke- given a fuck either way about this subject, really. If you, mm. it's, it's, it's true, it's, 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 yeah, it's, on both it's sides. It's been made into a thing. It's weird as well, don't you get the Remainers? It's become like a real lifestyle choice for them yeah. as well. You know the ones that go on the people's vote marches and stuff and like paint their faces? And think it's, it's just weird. It's like somebody hitting middle age and then going, I've been Tottenham all my life, mate. <laughs> you go, but you didn't give a shit about football three years ago. <laughs> Where's this tattoo come from, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it'd be, I mean, it would just be interesting to see what happens, yeah. if it ever happens. I mean, if anything ever happens, or we could just be in this stasis. If we no deal, then we still yeah. have to do the deals. So, so, so it's still, yeah, so it's still carrying on afterwards. Or we could just thrive so much, you know, we just, you know what, EU, have some of that. Look at us. <laughs> so I'm, this is what I do. I wind up people sometimes. I can't help it. There is something fun but, about yeah, being I think in that, this. But it's sort of, it's important, because it's, A, it's, bo- you know, comedy yeah. is boring if everyone agrees with each other. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, and B, you should be expressing uh, a viewpoint. You know, I, in a way, I don't really like any, and, you know, I do it a little bit myself, but I, yeah. I, it, you've got to do comedy that's, that's taking the piss out of everything. You really take a stand mm. as a comedian about anything, I think, then you're sort of saying, but I'm not, then I'm not able to take the piss out of this. So, I, you know, I think a comedian's job is to be able to stand back mm. and go, well, look, this is why Corbyn's ridiculous, this is why... Yeah, Boris yeah, it's just calling bullshit yeah. things. I think that's one of the, the odd things I find in the debate about what's called right-wing comedy is that... I, I think, you know, Stuart Lee said it's about you're on the side of the bankers. And I thought it's a bit more, it's a bit simpler than that. All it is is the, is, I <laughs> did you just get me on the show to piss off Stuart Lee, by the way? I, just heard, <laughs> I didn't know, you know, he, to be honest, every guest would piss off Stuart That's Lee. That's true. So <laughs> in, in most of it himself. So. But, but I just think it's like, you know, it's just critique, it's like left-wing comedy critiques the ideas and the personalities and the ideology of the right. And that's yeah. all right-wing comedy does. And I think that, you know, when I started doing it. I started talking about it in 2013, but the thing was, no one really gave that much of a shit then. We weren't as political as we are now, but I certainly noticed, I think the referendum is often held up as like a, a watershed, but I actually think the 2015 general election was such a shock to people, wasn't it? Because people are kind of, it was the first time that we became aware of echo chambers, and people were, you know, just waking up to the shocking news that Ed Miliband wasn't going to lead the world's <laughs> biggest, sixth biggest economy, and they didn't see that coming, and I think that that really pricked people into something, and, they, and it's, been, it's been a different proposition since then, I would say. Yeah. But if you think, if everything has been sort of yeah. orchestrated from Russia, and what I, what I find is that both in America and here is people, the people who claim to be the most patriotic are the first to kind of just let all of that go. In America, the people who are the most Christian yeah. are the first able to go, oh, no, it's fine, we're not having any immigrants in because, you know, Jesus wasn't any kind of immigrant or anything, yeah, was he? Yeah, yeah. And we're not going to have guns because I think Jesus said you're allowed to shoot people if you wanted. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's clearly nothing to do with... It's nothing to do with those symbols, you know. They just are, they're just people who want no, to be... No, no, they want to win the argument. I, I yeah. agree, and, and it's sort of exposed a lot of hypocrisies. I mean, you've got the, you know, you've got Tories having, you know, said, fuck business, right? Labour out of touch with the working classes. Lib Dems saying bollocks to a democratic vote. And the Greens, you know, reaching out finally to people that don't live in caravans and drink their own piss. I think... <laughs> the, the, these are unprecedented times, but I think if anyone in the audience or anyone listening 
thinks that you've got to this point in the Brexit process without being deeply hypocritical. I think, I think that period is, is, is over. We've all done it on some level yeah. by now, including me. And that's one of the things I think of my comedy is always some of it comes from knowledge of my own hypocrisy. Yeah, do you know course, what I mean? Like yeah. it's never, I'd never say something that I didn't think. I'd always, but sometimes I think something and I think, that's fucking funny that I think that. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised that I think that. So I did a bit on MASH Report about why I thought that, you know, everybody over the, a the age of 80 should be denied NHS treatment. <laughs> and... <laughs> well, like, you've never thought it. <laughs> I just, you know, but, like, I'm not saying I definitely think that should happen, but I remember being angry about the demands on the NHS, thinking about, you know, it's already something that swallows up a lot of money, what could we do? And then I thought, yeah, they've had a good knock when they're 80, you know? Maybe it's time... Logan's bring Logan's run into it. Where make it thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's got to be older than you, Jeff. It's got to be older than you. But it's all that. And I said, a couple of people said to me, like, "Oh, you're just playing the part of the evil Tory." I was like, "No, I am an evil Tory." That's <laughs> more offended by the fact they thought I well, was. On the mash report, you definitely there's an element where you are, you know, you are laughing at yourself as well. I think, but that we all need to be able to step back from ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And te you know, I think comedy is about testing what you think. So when I've done stuff, that, you know, from a. I mean, I don't think I'm as liberal as people, like, on, certainly people on Twitter. Everyone's got this idea. They go, oh, you think this, and therefore you think this about everything, yeah. right? Which I'm sure you get a lot as well. So there's no nuance. It's like the, people decide you're on a side, and therefore you think yeah, everything. Yeah, they extrapolate a lot they, from that. Yeah, yeah, they extrapolate to what they imagine everyone on that side thinks as well, which isn't even the case in, in any case. But, yeah, so it's important to be able to step back and even say something you don't believe, being able to test whether... Well, that is satire as well, isn't it? You yeah. know, in its purest form is to, to test a, a, an idea. But I think that, I suppose that if you, if you don't like the idea of comedy that's right or centre, you'll try and use anything to shoot it down. So the, the first charge is that you're disingenuous, you know, and, and stuff like that. I've, ne I've never heard people say to a left-wing comic, like, oh, you're not really left-wing, you know, but that does seem to be with a few of the guys coming through now, it's people say, oh, well, you're, just, you're just adopting a stance to get coverage. And it's yeah. not that I'm adopting it. I mean, I'm milking the shit out of it. That's not, <laughs> there's no two ways about that, but it does come... You know, I did wonder, actually, because this will probably make people a bit sick in their mouths, but I, I am a Conservative Party member, and I... Yeah, exactly. You can get away with a lot of stuff. I think even some of the people that vote Conservative at that point go, right, I'm out, Jeff. That is, you're, you're not right. But I did get to vote on the next Prime Minister for 25 quid, so... What'd you get, you know, <laughs> free quid with Jerry? Did you vote for... Oh, do you know what? Truth of the matter is, I didn't vote for either of them because right. I, my guys didn't really make the, the cut sort of thing. I didn't feel that either Boris or Jeremy Hunt... <laughs> I mean, like, he, can, he just looks like an alien that's just arrived in his own body, doesn't he? he looks, every time he speaks, he looks shocked to have been activated. I, I, so he wasn't my guy. I do think there is a potential problem with Boris is that... You know, like, if, if you say that he's going to roll back rights for gay people and people of colour, again, it's this thing of dystopian prophesising is that I, ju I just I don't think that he's going to do that. So you're almost setting the bar too low for him to be able to be a relative success, if you know what I mean. Yeah. He's, not, he's not, he can't... He's, at the end of the day, and this is po possibly one of the things about Boris that's most disingenuous, is he's ultimately a metropolitan liberal. You know, some of the populist posturing is a mechanism to get into power. But you look at the circles that he moves in, you know, you look at his partner, he's not going to go that way. But um, I guess we'll see. But that's what That was a shit in here. I guess we'll but see. But, I was just but, but all politicians <laughs> are now just interested in getting voted in. And yeah. of course, that's always been the case to an extent. Yeah. But it used to be you said what you thought and people decide whether they could agree yeah. with enough of it. And now it's politicians who are trying to test the water all the time. Exactly what you're saying. Trying, oh, well, I'll say this about... Yeah. You know, Trump is an example of that, of, you know, of basically winking at uh, right-wing... You know, nat white and white, white supremacists, mm. whilst also occasionally, you know, defending some black guys. Having lunch with Kanye. 
Yeah. It's a strange deal, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, I think that, uh, the, the, I suppose what's happened in the last few years is that, you know, you can get locked down in sort of metropolitan circles in a certain way of thinking and way of seeing the world. And it's not just about the, 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 the liberal bubble. It's just, I'll give you an example. Like the, the recent announcements from Boris on law and order played out really well. Surprise, surprise. A lot of the country, even if you look at Labour left-wing heartlands, are pretty strict on, on law and order. This, is, this isn't rocket science, you know, but I guess it's a, it's a brand of politics that, that's being revisited rather than a new thing. But do you think, why, why are working-class people hoodwinked into following like someone from Eton why like you've done a show yeah. criticizing the middle classes yes yeah, why why are you criticizing the middle classes and you know don't, don't get the upper classes I know. the middle <laughs> classes and the working classes to be fighting out with each other yeah. is that middle classes are just you know my my family are middle class yeah. two generations ago are working class middle class most middle class people are you know are so close to still to their work class roots on the whole is yeah. that, whereas people like Boris Johnson have a, a pedigree going back centuries of all posh people all, with all I the know, money. I know what you're saying. We're fighting know, against each other. I know what you're saying, but I, I just, I quite like Toffs. It's a, <laughs> it's a dark admission. They make me laugh. I'm fond of them. Uh, I, also, <laughs> I also think, like, I don't necessarily agree with Jacob Rees-Mogg's worldview, but I sort of think if I was rich, I'd be a bit like him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just have shitload of kids, give them weird fucking names. Do you know what I mean? Make, <laughs> make them wear a monocle at the breakfast table. You know, I'd be, like, crass. You know, so I sort of find entertainment, and I suppose particularly with the liberal middle class, it just it amuses me to wind them up for yeah. one, because they're so like, I'm, I'm, I'm nice, I'm nice. I've got, I quit things, I've quit caffeine. You know, they're, they're always quitting things, right? They do, I think the liberal middle class need to just fucking chill out and enjoy life. And the other thing I suppose is it comes from a sense of, you know, particularly with the documentary, is is, is like a sense of self-loathing that obviously. That's more the way my life has gone of late. You know, I grew up on a council estate, but I've known the taste of brioche, you know. <laughs> and it's all right. And you've got to give that to the middle class. They, they know the food. If there's one thing I would say, that they know, I mean, their weddings are shit, but they, they know what to put on a salad. Um, so... <laughs> And I do, you know, on a more serious note, I suppose what happened where, where you know, in the, the absolute upper classes in terms of voting for Brexit and, and the working classes, it created this weird temporary alliance, I guess. So whereas, as you rightly say, normally there would be more of a kinship between the middle and the working classes. There's this other thing, which is value system, you know, your relationship with faith, flag and family. And maybe in this period of time, temporarily, those things are perhaps more closely aligned. But do you not think that, I mean, do you not think Boris Johnson is more likely to be just taking the piss than... And just using mm. that, and, and Trump, so he's, he doesn't give a fuck of about course, any working yeah, yeah. class person, does he? No, but Trump doesn't I, give a fuck about any of those people in the Midwest, does I he? I think you've probably got some people that do buy into it, but most people it's kind of a means to an end. Like I say, it's a temporary sort of uh, alliance of, of viewpoints. I don't think like Boris Johnson would want to hang out with someone like me. But he'd like just fuck you over as well, that's what I think. That's what, you know, that's what, I think he, he, he's saying all this stuff. Yeah, pre the election that's about to happen <laughs> yeah. after we've Brexited. And I'm, you know, I'm absolutely confident the Tories will romp home in the next election. They might. I think the Brexit party are a bigger problem for them than they realised. I think a lot of people are more strongly aligned to that. Just the branding of it was just... It was kind of weird, wasn't it? Because you had like the Remain parties that are supposed to be the whizzy kind of like up to date. You know, you'd have thought that they would be shit hot on the social media, but it was awful, wasn't it? Their campaign. Whereas the Brexit party really, really did a great campaign, and I think the Tories will, will have got more of a battle on their hands winning back voters from the Brexit party than they thought. And the other thing is, is that that Labour voters who maybe were considering holding their nose and voting Tory, particularly in old mining towns, you give them another option. 
they might prefer that than the people that shut down their minds. I, I, th- I, think, they'll, I think they'll shut down Brexit. I think if they Brexit, then the Brexit party is you know, in trouble, isn't it? Because that's all. There has to be something else, wouldn't they, that lots of British people give a shit about? <laughs> yeah, they just <laughs> have to say, you know, we'll, we'll send all the immigrants home party. Uh, uh, why, well, I think UKIP went that way and they lost support. So I, I, I do, and maybe, look, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about this country. And I, re- I think the reason that UKIP uh, are starting to fold is because most people don't feel like that. And yeah. if you look at recent surveys, you know, the attitude towards immigration is it, not so much of a priority now. You know, a lot of people, people are more positive about it now than they were in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> That's my first descants little... No, no, that I... That was the first one. Um, I just think, I think the fact that people are willing to go, you know, to, to jump into bed with America and not with Europe just sort of suggests that it's about... That it's, you know, when it makes financial sense yeah. to be with Europe and it makes no economic sense to be with a country that is saying we're going to put our country no, first, no, I, I, America I first, agree. and yeah, we'll take advantage of the fact that you're desperate for any kind of trade. I mean, that's a terrible thing. No, you're right. We should, negotiation we should hook up with Japan or something. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Just trying a fucking China. I mean, China's the way forward, isn't it? Let's just, get, let's just become Chinese. Just, just join Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, that's well a really good time to mention that. I think... Uh, Let's take it back. Let's take Hong Kong back. It's what we need. <laughs> Was it Rod Little said we needed a war? Fucking right. Hong Kong, mate. Let's go. <laughs> so what's your show this year? You're doing a work in progress. Well, I'm doing a work in progress, mainly because I've sort of started to realise that the kind of people that review shows at Edinburgh aren't ever really going <laughs> to like me that much. You know, this, this bloke that sort of looks like he shouts things out of a van... Um, <laughs> I'm not really a cup of tea. And, and it's not like I'm angry about that. I've just kind of had a moment going, yeah, what's the point? Why They should go and review the kind of people that they like and build their career. I should pay, perhaps be a bit off-piste for this one. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a work-in-progress show, but I did the first show last night. And it, it's got, I think I'm lucky in a way because what I get is I get a real mix. You know, I get Brexiteers, Tories, left-wingers, socialists, and it creates this dynamic. And I, I don't see it in many other shows where it's, it's, it's really vital because everyone's grown up, right? Everyone's willing to have their point of view uh, challenged and it, I do love it. People think I don't like this festival. I love it because it's, it's so easy to seem controversial here. <laughs> <laughs> so the last night I just did a throwaway line about a woman that had reached one in the afternoon and was drinking without having done her chores, right? Now, <laughs> look, there's a lot that you're reading into that. I didn't say she had a husband, so she got a, I just. I just, I just, my inference was that if you were at home all day and you were drinking, you know, in the day, it might not necessarily, but that reaction proves it. So I don't think, I don't think I'm an edgy guy or an edgy comic, but I think sometimes, like, the context of comedy makes me seem like that. Okay. Yeah, but it's good to challenge, you know, I think it's good to be challenged, it's good to challenge, and I think we need to talk about this stuff, you know, however boring Mm. it is and how much we've... We need to find somewhere in the middle, right? For, for I totally for, agree. For and all and this stuff to work through. Because if, if, if we Brexit and 48% of people are still really fucked off about it, then you need to find some way of getting them back in or just turning yeah. them into slaves or something. And, and I... <laughs> just uh, <laughs> with your over fascist overlords. I... <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you talked about reconciliation. <laughs> and, then, and then the longer the sentence went on, the longer the accusatory. Two Those are the two options. And, you yeah. know, and vice versa, if it went the other way, if we did remain, you know, even, yeah. if we'd, even if we'd, I'd say, even if we'd voted 52-48 to remain, yeah. if we'd just gone, well, you lost, get over it, that would be the worst thing you could do. If, if uh, what, nearly one in two people in the country are very unhappy with something, you need to do something to make... And that's what annoys me about the whole, the way people view Brexit. They go, 17 million people vote for Brexit... 
but 16 million people voted to remain. Yes. And so 1 million people uh, voted for Brexit. I think, think, uh, think 500,000 people were taking the piss when they voted for Brexit, <laughs> having a laugh. There's no, joke in, there's no joke in voting to remain. You could go, I'm just going to vote. Like you say, I, I'm interested yeah. to see what would happen. I'm going to vote. I think 500,000 yeah, I mean, people went, like, I'm going to do this for a laugh. I, then, I don't so, think there were so, many of those, but <laughs> equally, if you had a big red button that said, definitely don't push this button, I'd fucking think about yeah. it. I think a lot, of, a lot of people didn't take it seriously, or they did it as a yeah. little protest, or they did it as not thinking through what would happen. Because we didn't know, no one knows. Well, no, no one knew no the consequences of a Remain either, in no. terms of the future of the, the well, EU. Remain, but but that's the Remain would mean we'll carry on. It feels same. like you're getting more angry no, as this guy. <laughs> they, they didn't know the consequences of Remain. The consequences of Remain would we'll be yeah. this, in the same place. I'm sorry, be... Richard, you'll be able to go skiing. Like, <laughs> it's all going to be fine. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> It's, I just think we remain. It was your vote to stay the same. So there is a change in, in leaving. It was a bigger deal. No, yeah. no, I agree. And, and but I also think like the you tend to hear from the noisier sides of the debate, when, and that's true of both Brexit and Remain. But there was a lot of people, like a lot of like my wife voted Remain, which often, it always gets that reaction. I don't know why people look at me and they just sort of think, oh wow, he allowed a, a free vote on the <laughs> issue. Like I just thought he looked like an electrician just wandered on stage, but like he's quite progressive. Um, but. But she, but you know, she lost and she did get over it, you know. Yeah. So there's plenty of remainers, and I think that that's the. I, I'm totally against that kind of like, you know, that that. I thought that was a terrible phrase. You lost, get over it. And I think yeah. both sides of the debate, even in the two weeks after it happened, almost lost people forever there and then. There was nothing into that two weeks. Everyone lost their heads, and I think I think we're still sort of playing catch up from that period now. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, won't it? Yeah, I mean, this, uh, we'll I'm also together I've, in two years' time and see the, what, what we both think. We'll see I've got, I've got a three, three and a half year old son, and you think like you know the age we live in in terms of YouTube and all that sort of stuff. I've said a lot of stuff, yeah. and you think you know kids already rebel against their dad. So this, I mean, I, I just hope I make a few quid. Do you know what I mean? At least I can throw that in his face. <laughs> but unfortunately, quids will just be worth so little by the time. <laughs> <laughs> Get paid in euros. That's my advice. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> so what time? What time's the show? The show is on at uh, twenty past seven. It's at the Frisian, which, by the way, is a great room for stand-up. I oh, yes. Not a lot of comics go after it. But it's a really great room. Uh, it's with the underbelly, and it's uh, today uh, the thirteenth, as we are right up to the twenty-fifth. Oh, you've uh, taken Sunday. over my wife's slot in there. That's how, that's how, my wife was in that room at that time. Just before they call it the yeah. Katie Wilkins. Katie Wilkins. Yeah. <laughs> so you've t- you've gone from drug women solving crime to you solving Brexit. Yeah. Um, Imagine how disappointed people like you know <laughs> sort of feminist audience turn up. I've heard great things about this. And I come out and go, all right. I can't wait to tell her she's, she's you're sharing you're sharing <laughs> yeah. her room. Yeah. Can't tell them what's going on in her room. She's very upset about Brexit. Katie. Is she? Yeah. yeah. I. You know. Not sorry. <laughs> um. So great. Let me just see if there's. Yeah, Climate change is more important than I think. I mean, we haven't uh, got any time to discuss. You've got two minutes to tell me. See, the way I see climate change, right, you get a lot of people, um, you know, that kind of say, oh, you know, the world's going to fuck up, like, next week. And I think that's... You, I say, well, let's just enjoy this week. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've said it too early. I'm now, don't give a shit because of how early you've said it. Okay. And then you get the other side, which I was just invented by the Chinese. <laughs> you know, whereas I'm more... I'm, I'm more like, I think it is happening, but I don't think I'm going to change any of my behaviour at all. I'm not worried about your three-and-a-half-year-old son. Yeah, I'm just honest. I think that, you know, if anyone here has cancelled a holiday because of climate change, let me know. Yeah. So, <laughs> and this is the problem, right? I will get on at middle class here. But you look like, 
you go on the most long haul flights a year. I go Ibiza and Bognor and that's it. But you lot, you use eco washing up powder. I went and you to think Willigan, that's, that's where I went to my holiday in this shit in Devon. I do, you know. I flew we... in a helicopter, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Pouring diesel out of it as I went. <laughs> but I do. You know, I do think, like, you'd think I'd take the piss out of Extinction Rebellion, but actually I think they're putting their money where their mouth is. You know, they're willing to get arrested. It's a lot different from some of these other kind of protests as well. So it's, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to knock them. I just think, again, maybe the catastrophizing is so great that people think, well, if we can't change it. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I sort of think with it, really, is if everyone, um, I mean, the flying is a big thing, mm. and... Eating meat's the thing, right? So if everyone just yeah. cut down meat to once or twice a week, it is sort of weird that people are eating so much meat, really, uh, historically. You know, that would never have been something that anyone... Yeah, I, got, oh, I agree. Uh, I mean, maybe it needs, like, a fairer... Because like, it's sort of unnatural, the amount of eat, meat that we eat. Maybe, like, it should be... If you could beat it in a fight... You, <laughs> like, if you could beat it, you can eat it. Yeah, okay. That should be... <laughs> this could be... <laughs> this could be... Uh, can I do an emergency question on you? Yeah. What's the... What's the biggest animal that you think you could kill with your bare hands? I think that, I think that is an emergency question, uh, and I think I could probably take out. Um, yeah, it's, I live in the countryside, so I know how terrifying animals are now. Those big cows yeah. are too big, and horses are really scary. Um, I like the fact you even considered a horse. I mean, I, mean? I could. I'll just choke it out. I'll just fucking There's choke it out. There's some little Shetland ponies near me that I reckon I could. I reckon I could take down a Shetland I still, pony. I still think if it was. <laughs> If it was angry and you were tired, yeah, it could be like a really cute move. And imagine getting killed by a Shetland pony as well. How, what an emasculating way to leave the earth. Like, everyone would be just cracking up at the uh, church, yeah. trying to be sad. Because you're still young and you died, but every time people thought about the Shetland pony, little giggles would break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm Especially good. if it had a funny name, like... like uh, Baby, <laughs> I, I was on a comic riff there. Yeah, it just fucked off, didn't it? My brain, my brain went, "No, you're out, Norcott. That's more than you usually do." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can take some insects out. I kill insects in my house. I wouldn't mind. And that's what yeah. we're going to do: is just eat insects. That's what. That's where we're going to be in 20 years' time, eating beef burgers made out of insects. Do, do people really think that the world's going to be this fucked up in such a short space of time? I think it is. I think it is. We, we just need to, you know, if we plant, so mm. someone said if we plant enough trees, uh, that's, uh, trees the size of America, if an area the size of America yeah. is covered in trees, which isn't, you can just find some places yeah, you don't yeah. have to cover in America in trees, then that would be enough to pretty much offset it. So it's, there's sort of simple ways to mm-hmm. do it. And I think, I think science will find a way through. Yeah. But I think, like, you know, it's sort of weird to me that the President of the United States is not he's going no fuck it I'm going to make some money now uh, and not worry but he doesn't have to worry does he maybe we should reopen the mines here just yeah. out there you know, <laughs> that's the way the Tories could get back in we're really sorry we know Northerners love coal let's reopen them <laughs> it could work well Jeff it's lovely to meet you you're always a controversial figure oh we've got over a little bit never mind uh, thank you very much for coming in and lovely Cheers, to mate. see you again uh, Jeff Norcott ladies and gentlemen thank you. I've been listening to Rahalastapa at the Edinburgh Fringe with me, Richard Herring. Thank you to Pest for providing the music. Thank you to everyone at the Newtown Theatre and The Stand and everyone at GoFasterStripe.com. The producer is James Hingley. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Go to rahalastapa.co.uk to find out more. RichardHerring.com slash gigs to find out who my guests are for the rest of the run.